2: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey,
3: this is Annie. Oh, hey, it's Samantha. And welcome to Stuff i have Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Fix.
2: Your intros are always so much better than mine. I don't think so. It's just me playing off of you. Well, I always say the same thing in the same tempo. Well, I feel like it needs to be a little, like, I like differentiation. I want to even it out. I feel like and that was also, an insult, but that's okay. No, no, no. Also because I need to stick out somehow because the rest of the thing, the, the episode, <laughs> I'm not really I, present.
3: I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, so I'm like, I, hey, I'm
2: here. Just I'm so
3: you know. I'm going to need you to be here for this one. Yes. Because this one is a bit meta. So meta. Because we're talking about women in podcasting. What? While we're women in podcasting, as for <gasps> podcasting, it's already my mind is already, already getting confused. Well. Um, we do have some stats, kind of like state of the union stats. Um, Google has indexed over 2 million podcasts. U.S. podcasting ad revenue came out to 314 million dollars in 2017 and is expected to grow to 660 million by 2020. Wow. Mm-hmm. in 2018. Women are closing the gender listening gap lagging behind men by only 9%. I have so many female friends who listen to podcasts. Oh, my gosh, so many. Um, Shout out to all of you. Right. In
2: my head, I'm like, that doesn't seem right because I know more women who listen to podcasts than I do men. So Mm -hmm. that's surprising.
3: The percentage of women listening to podcasts increased by six times when compared to men in 2017, up to 5.5 hours a week. Women only host, though, about 22% of shows. Um, About one-third of the top 100 on Apple Podcasts were hosted or co-hosted by women in 2017. And I've also seen 35% um, by women, depending on the source, but I think that's counting, like, co-hosts. Right. Maybe the one man, one woman, something like that. Um, and when asking women about the things that keep them out of podcasting, why don't they get into this industry? The most common reasons were expensive equipment, lack of experience, and self-doubt or lack of confidence. Right. Um, and a lot of you probably remember this. Collisions recently released the Pod 22, a list of the 22 most influential people in podcasting. There were only two women on it, and the internet went wild. <laughs> oh, Who
1: were the two women? Uh, Sarah Koenig, for sure. I can't remember the
3: other one. Okay. Um, they they did update it. Oh, by good. the way, it was that oh, much good. of an uproar that they they were like, like, okay, you're right, my bad. Yeah, let's fix this. According to Edison Research, 59% of people listening to podcasts are white, 12% of podcast listeners are African American, 11% of podcast listeners are Hispanic Latino, and 7% of podcast listeners are Asian. And this has changed dramatically between 2008 to 2019 from 73% white to 59% white. And did you see we're going global? I did see yeah. that.
1: <laughs> We're going global. So hopefully
2: that'll change for us as well.
3: Yeah, I love...
2: That sounds like a movie or something. Good. Right. Going global.
3: global. Like a like Spice Girls type thing. When
2: I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, no, people in the whole world is going to not like me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, you should turn that
2: into a positive thing. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh,
3: and I will say one of the most common questions we consistently get um, is... How do I get into podcasting or how did you get into podcasting or how does podcasting work? So hopefully to you listeners who who we very much appreciate, we're glad that you're a part of all these numbers that we're, <laughs> we're listing up. Yes. Um, hopefully you'll find this informative and enlightening um, because one of the things we wanted to talk about is this is a male-dominated industry still. Much like much of entertainment. Yes, it is a new industry, so I've read a lot of hopeful, it's new wish. so I've read a lot of hopeful things that we have more room to change that than other industries perhaps do. And um, one of the things about working in a male-dominated industry that is reliant on your voice (laughs) is finding confidence in your voice, and that is so difficult. Yeah, I definitely am not there. No, <laughs> I, I really don't know anybody, male or female, who likes their voice. But right, um, I will say that as a woman, I feel that your voice can do no right.
2: Oh my goodness, the constant criticism is amazing.
3: I know, and it's for like for the same sound clip, you could hear too much vocal fry. I don't know vocal fry. No one ever says it on a vocal fry, but something like that. Like right. I've been criticized. For laughing too much and not laughing enough. Right. And the same thing. Um, But yeah, up speak, vocal fry, giggling, the advice I've gotten from old dudes who seem to genuinely believe that they are helping me. Here's how you should podcast, young lady. Wow. Yeah, so much. Um, The trolls who tell you that they're just angry because you're too ugly to get any... Like that has nothing to do with
2: your <laughs> voice or like, okay. I haven't seen that yet, so thank goodness. Mm, well, yet,
3: yet, um, and it's all—it all basically boils down to shut up, go away, right? I don't want
2: to hear you. Well, I've heard, I've seen enough about you know you're too liberal. This is another social justice warrior. La 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 la. sure. You do understand this is a podcast about feminism, so therefore
3: <laughs> hard to steer away from those topics. Yeah. And um, in that environment, when you have self-doubt, when you do struggle with imposter syndrome, which is kind of what we're talking about today, podcaster imposter syndrome, super fun to say, Mm -hmm. um, it is difficult to have any real idea if what you're doing is in any way valuable or good. Right. Because you're just getting, you're bombarded with criticism. So much criticism. Yeah. And when I first started podcasting, one of my bosses um, bought in a vocal coach, which sounds great. (laughs) I was really excited about it. But this vocal coach pretty much told me all the stuff you hear about how to sound less like a woman. Stop stop vocal fry. Don't sound so questioning. Don't... (laughs) All the things that I associate with being kind of a natural conversationalist. Right. uh, Don't do those things. Which might be good advice for success if you're trying to maintain the status quo. I mean, probably, yeah. A lot of advice I see for female non-binary pod- podcasters out there does make me cringe or feel uncomfortable because it does seem to boil down to it's a man's world, be more masculine. Right. But not too much. But not too much. That's ridiculous. And then if you're self-conscious about your voice on top of all that, it it, it makes you sound the the cursed Less authentic. Right. Yeah, which is another pretty female-specific
2: criticism I often see. Yeah, uh, with the fact that I'm very new to this world, I can't tell you how much I hate my voice. I yeah. do not enjoy listening to myself. And I know it's a general thing for most people, mm-hmm. but now having to purposely listen to myself like every week causes me this amount of anxiety where I have to really sit down and be like, okay, breathe. Mm-hmm. You have to listen. You can be—you're you you, going to be okay. You're going to be okay, (laughs) which, by the way, I have to say it out loud to myself. So that's just, you know, on top of already having to hear myself. And I've been very humbled with the fact that I I used to be critical, Mm -hmm. too, of female voices in general. Just whether it's, oh, they're too shrill, they say like too much, they do this, this, or that. And now I'm realizing, wow, that's really painful. That's really painful. Even if you think you're talking to no one, Mm -hmm. like you're just saying it to yourself or saying out loud to your friend. Or you just randomly just tweet out Mm -hmm. there. Is Mm -hmm. that the word? tweet. I think that's what the kids Tweeted. do. Yeah. <laughs> Tweeted. The word I say usually is a bad word, so I'm not going to say it. Uh-huh. So, but um, it's really humbling. Like you, you begin to realize how intensely people listen or watch you to criticize. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say going off
3: of that, we have this thing around here that I highly recommend anybody who does want to get into podcasting called um, QA, quality assessment. Yes. Um, and that's when you listen back right. and make sure there's no errors or curse words because we can get in big trouble for that. Right. Unbleeped curse words. Um, that's, that's me. Sorry. Well, that's all right. <laughs> um, but it is, I for everybody I know that does podcasts, it is a super stressful thing. Oh, Just hearing your voice. I hate it. Which is so interesting to be a, I hate it. like, I'm going to go do this thing where
2: my whole career depends right. on. Right. And I have to listen so I don't sound real stupid. hmm <laughs> We wow. have to make sure we don't say something inappropriate. Yeah. And then, or you just sound bumbly. Yeah. Fumbling through your words, but oh, gosh.
3: I have to say, too, though, a lot of times I feel like I did worse. And then when I hear it, maybe I'm True. just so ready to think the worst right. that I, I, wow, okay. Right. I said sentences. They made sense, I like kind that.
2: of. I have had friends tell me, I'm very surprised about how well you did. Is so it's like one a of those backhanded double, yeah, compliment, of those double whammies. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Thanks.
3: <laughs> I I will take it. I will take uh, it. Yeah, right. And another part of this whole thing too is I we've both talked about this, and I we've talked about it with other female podcasters. Is this question of being enough? Um, it kind of hangs over everything like a like a shadow. Um, being not qualified enough, not authentic enough, not likable enough. Oh, likable. When I got offered this this job. I I remember I wasn't expecting it at all, and I curled in on myself and tried to list all the reasons why I wasn't qualified, and my boss stopped me and
2: was like, no, here's what I see. All right, I would say a huge yeah to that. I'm still not sure what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I question every day, why Why am I doing this? As well as, at first, I came in as, you know, we did our guest series, and I'm like, I know social work. So, therefore, I can give my two cents to this, and I'm passionate about that. But as we're going into this journey, mm-hmm. my whole thing is, can I represent women well? Can I represent the female population? Can I represent people of color? Can I represent adopted kids? All of these things that I feel like, no, I'm not good at being a human.
0: You're very good at being human. (laughs) And
2: then also just being, again, relatable Mm -hmm. or going beyond. And also my constant fear of making a mistake. Constant fear of offending someone Mm -hmm. that I have no intent of, you know, and being more harmful than helpful. Yeah, And it's such a huge thing that I constantly battle with, why am I doing this?
3: It's being on a—and this is one of the reasons when I first started— the episode I want to do is bad feminism because being on a feminist podcast, you do, you don't want to do more harm than good, right. which is great. Uh, but you you feel that responsibility, and I think that is a good thing. Right. But it can hinder you if you let it. Yeah. So being aware of that and trying to combat that with, I can, I am enough, and I can be enough, and there, you're always learning and growing, and that is a good. thing. Right. Yes. But all of this brings us to imposter syndrome.
2: What?
3: Yes. Which I feel like comes up all the time on this show. And there have been past episodes that are going to go, that went more in depth in it than we're going to. But for the purpose of this episode, we did want to give some quick definitions as we like. From Psychology Today, imposter syndrome is a psychological term referring to a pattern of behavior where people doubt their accomplishments and have a persistent, often internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. And this was first coined in 1978 by two clinical psychologists, and their definition was a feeling of, quote, phoniness in people who believe that they are not intelligent, capable, or creative despite evidence of high achievement. These people also live in fear of being found out or exposed as frauds. And their paper goes on to include this. Since success for women is contraindicated by societal expectations and their own internalized self-evaluations, it's not surprising that women in our sample need to find explanation for their accomplishments other than their own intelligence, such as fooling other people. And um, you, you might attribute your success uh, to, to luck or timing
2: or even looks, things like that. All right. I definitely will say, again, pertaining to this podcast, is people on you because mm-hmm. i i i will say i was privileged enough to have a network and connection to be here however the part of that is also i've i guess i've proven myself enough to you
1: mm-hmm.
2: yes <laughs> and then our our boss that i can maintain mm-hmm. hopefully because it's i'm still very new who knows but mm-hmm. all of that to say is like i'm here by accident and that's a definite part of holy crap what am i doing
3: well that's a, an interesting thing too is a lot of times when people ask me how did you get into podcasting? And for me and most people I know, because most people at this company, well, not anymore because we've expanded so much, but a lot of us got into it when it it was kind of an accident because it was a really new industry. And none of us were like, we're going to get into podcasting. It just kind of happened. So I feel like I can give you advice, but it's such a different game now.
2: Yeah, when people ask me, how do you get into it? How did you do this? Because I did have someone get really excited. And they're like, oh, we want to do this? And I kind of just looked at them like, well, I already have a foundation that was created for me, which is the privilege for me. That's it. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I'm, I listeners, I will happily give you advice. I just think it's hard to compare experiences. Right. I, I have like some other things I can, I can lend advice on. But, uh, and I remember the first episode we did, um, how are we failures? Yeah. When I, when my friends heard that episode, some of them are really upset because they told me, I always looked at you and thought you would never feel that way. And the fact that you felt that way and I feel that way, I can't, I cannot continue like listening and knowing that. And, um, wow. yeah. And that made me,
2: I just feel, I think everyone feels this way. Right. On some level. And I think, Specifically for those who identify as female, we've been taught to feel that way anyway. Like that's an automatic thing to be the second-class citizen, be the support, and never be the face of. Mm-hmm. So on top of that, if we're not perfection, then we failed. That's yeah. this whole level. I don't think it's. I just read a quote from about Maya Angelou talking about how she felt like yeah. after reading like writing all of these different things and still being like I'm going to be found out as yeah. a fake. It's not It's not abnormal. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it, it isn't. And um, a lot of us probably remember this, this statistic from a Hewlett-Packard study. Men apply for a job when they possess 60% of the qualifications, while women only apply when they possess 100%. And
2: even then, <laughs> still a question. Like, maybe. Maybe. Maybe I don't actually
3: know how to do this. Right. Uh, and some studies do suggest that men and women experience imposter syndrome Which, sidebar, some have also suggested that it should be renamed imposter experience or phenomenon, which was the original term because it's not a diagnosable mental or psychological syndrome, Um, that maybe men and women do experience it at the same rates, but women are more open to being vulnerable and talking about it. Society is not as accepting of men doing the same thing. Other research suggests that men and women experience and express it in different ways. One study found that while men experiencing imposter syndrome were more likely to crumble under the pressure, women were more likely to double down and excel. But my question is to that, do those women get rewarded or recognized for that? And this also kind of relates back to, in a strange way, in a way I wasn't expecting to our uh, conversation on body positivity, because there's discussion around whether this again is an easy way to shift the blame for lack of parity in professional settings back onto women as opposed to holding employers and systemic sexism accountable. After all, if you don't experience some level of doubt, I mean, what does that make you? Some kind of overconfident, out-of-touch person? conceited, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, if you, you're just not seeing the world as it is. Right. Um, But I would argue that systemic sexism fosters that feeling of being a fraud in women, of not being enough as well. I think there's a lot of pieces going on here. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not just us, but many experts have said that your level of feeling like an imposter is directly influenced by the people in your life, the people who look like you in your life. So if you enter an industry that's mostly white men, then you're not going to feel as confident for a lot of us. I won't say that's true for everybody.
2: I know I've mentioned in earlier episodes... But religion was one of the many things for me to feel like I couldn't hold up to any standard. Like, I was being told women were not made to be leaders or to be open and honest and to go beyond. Then let's just support your whomever, your leader, your father, your brother, your husband. And culture and religion are definite proponents of imposter syndrome to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, religion alone isn't the issue. It's the overall culture within. Mm-hmm. I think when we set up a gender as this is the norm, i.e. being, again, the supportive wife-mother as the ultimate goal or making sure you know your place as a supportive female, this kind of causes that mindset that we cannot go beyond that yeah, and that we can't exceed and become leaders ourselves or that if we did somehow get to that point, it's by mistake mm-hmm. or accidental or luck. And yeah. I think that's part of the problem where we define normal in these sex, whether it's also kind of like you look at different dynamics within um, ethnicities in itself and it places women sometimes lower, sometimes higher, you know, it gets into that whole level of what is the expectations. So if you go beyond that expectations, are you supposed to be here? Can you actually do it?
3: Yeah. And for me, this has had a huge impact on my life because I didn't move to the city I worked in for years, partly because I thought I could be fired at any time oh, wow. for not being qualified. And, and that's hours of my life. I calculated commuting 2,349 hours at least. And living with that undercurrent of I'm not good enough, I could be found out at any moment, is extremely detrimental to your work and to your overall self-esteem. Because, right. like, think about it. How likely are you to ask for a promotion or a raise if you think, you yourself think right. that you're a fraud, even if you logically know that that's not true?
2: Right. We don't go into the mindset of being paid what we're worth, mm-hmm. but rather than proving that we can exceed that worth to get paid same. <laughs> the same, which is frustrating. I need money. Someone give me money. It is very frustrating. Um, You know what? I actually found an article linking ADHD to imposter syndrome. They spoke about how people with diagnosed ADHD feel because they may have to put in a lot more work or a lot more effort um, and a lot more organizational skills. Mm -hmm. than those of those who are not diagnosed with ADHD, That they are not as successful Mm -hmm. or as talented. So, meaning if it doesn't come easy for them, then perhaps you're not talented enough or good enough to do this. And so, therefore, you shouldn't be successful. Which I thought was an interesting dynamic, that whole idea of... People who struggle maybe with a learning disability of any sort feel like you can't accomplish something as someone who doesn't have a learning disability, so therefore maybe not even try. And I've seen that even when schoolwork with children who have learning disability that haven't been diagnosed, that they give up, and then they're just automatically called lazy, and therefore their expectation is I can't do as well, so if mm-hmm. I accidentally do well, that was just a coincidence. Rather than you can do this, you just have to do it in your own way that works for you type of idea.
3: That kind of reminds me of when um, Eves came on before before you were a host. um, We did an episode on invisible disability. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the stats she had are similar to this, that if you have something, an invisible disability, like feeling that you're not enough all the time, that often comes along with that. Right. Well, we do have some more for you, but first we're going to pause for a quick break for word from our sponsor.
0: Can I rant for a sec? Please.
3: And we're back with vulnerability and the price of vulnerability. Exactly. Um, Because being vulnerable is an important part of at least this podcast, and I would argue a lot of podcasts. Right. And it's scary, especially when you're being vulnerable about things that unfortunately frequently come with the territory of being a woman, like sexual harassment, sexual assault. Um, and the therapy session we did is a great example. Uh, the, the one that you can listen to. <laughs> oh. You don't have to, though. No, you don't. I mean, can. <laughs> we put it out there. We did. You want to be vulnerable to make that personal connection, but that makes any judgment feel much more personal. And that's not to mention the real life impact of doing something like that. It doesn't go away after the recording light goes off. It sticks with you. It influences your life. And people who might listen to that episode for the first time years later and email you about it or tweet you about it when you've totally forgotten it or moved on. Um, And on top of that, I've been more open on this show than I have been with most people in my life because it's my job and because I want to. Um, But it does come with the
2: price. Right. And I'm, I'm thinking... I loved one of the reviews that we had about our therapy session about how it was the inner mm-hmm. workings of uh, The Lost Girls. The Lost Girls. We need to start a club called The <laughs> Lost Girls, Samantha. I was like, well, you know, he he's not wrong. No. I, I don't know why I assumed it was a he. The way it made it sound like what his language so I apologize if it wasn't a he. But that's what I, I was like, I can't disagree. I right. can't disagree because we're definitely opening up about the fact that we don't know everything. Mm-mm. And we definitely want people to know we're not necessarily experts, mm-hmm. but we can research. We can research and <laughs> we
3: can be vulnerable. Right. Um, I'll never forget a, a professor told me once um, I had kind of made this very bold choice in a play. And afterwards, I was really upset about it. Aww. And not because it went well. But it's just painful and oh yeah. Um he said, I, I wish for you that one day you would realize that this is your strength, this is not a weakness. Oh. Yeah. It was nice. It was really nice. But what's not nice <laughs> <laughs> going back to is sexual harassment. <laughs> that that is unfortunately a part of this job right. when you're talking about social media and reviews. Um Almost all of the early negative reviews about me called me a little girl. Um, they questioned my authority, my credibility, said something about how I'm either a slut or a prude. Don't ask me how, um, which when you have past sexual trauma can be hugely damaging. Right. And those,
2: one of the things about that is uh, people don't realize you're talking about someone else. Yeah. And it, they think it just goes to avoid. Yes, and I'm not really sure. I guess that's whole like in like in interactions where you don't remember there's an actual human being until you sit down with someone mm-hmm. and they just say whatever that the hell they want because they don't see consequence right, and that's just a sad part of that too, yeah,
3: um. Some, some good advice from, from my coworker, our coworker, Lauren, is she always says, remember, it was just like a shade of you. Like it was a digital version of you that they were criticizing that for one hour that they don't know. So anyway, uh, a question that has come up in our office several times, and particularly from me because I'm curious about it, is does this constitute as sexual harassment when your job requires you to interact with commenters or trolls that are sexually harassing you?
2: Can we just block them?
3: Yeah, but Um. you still have to (laughs) interact in some way. Um, And then there's the credibility gap, which we have done past episodes on before. This is really big when it comes to, like, women in academics or science or even journalists, sports, sports journalists. And this is just that people tend to believe men more than they believe women, that that they know what they're talking about more. Right. Um Apparently, when I was researching this, I found academic recommendation letters written for women contain more negative descriptors and less powerful positive ones. What? Ugh. And researchers have looked into competency, uh, you know, to make sure that this wasn't, you know, just the men happened to be more competent. No, they had the same set of skills, right, um, and women were rated more negatively. Mm-hmm. And then this all kind of relates to the science of a social podcast, uh, whenever, in my experience, anecdotally, and from uh, other people here, um, when you enter into what is viewed as a traditionally male, uh, industry, or kind of knowledge area, like science, um, people just don't buy that you know what you're talking about. right? And, uh, I know I've talked about it many times, but we once did an experiment where we had the same content, one delivered by a male host, one by a female host, and it was obvious (laughs) who they thought was more credible, who they believed more. Right. And so why does all of this matter? Um, Like we said at the top, this is a newish medium, and that means that it has the opportunity to not make the same mistakes as other forms of media, It's a space for marginalized voices to be heard, to reach audiences that have been long ignored. And I can't tell you how valuable I found this as a young woman from a small conservative town. It really did, like, help shape a part of who I am now. That's pretty important. right? And then from Anna of Two Dope Queens in Another Round, quote, deciding whose points of view you want to hear and which host you want to support is not just an entertainment choice. It's also a political act. It is. I love
2: the fact that, yeah, when it comes to podcasts, you choose what you want to hear. So, therefore, you choose what you're going to be surrounded by. Yes. Yeah, I love that quote so much. Um, And we
3: have a tiny bit more for you. But first, we're going to pause for one more quick break. Forward from our sponsor.
2: This episode is brought to you by Snagajob.
3: to this final question, I, sa- I guess, is how, how do you find your voice then? If there's all of this stuff kind of hanging over you, getting in the way of, of you feeling confident in who you are and what you can do, how do you find your voice? And for, for me, it's something that I'm still working on, but a large part of it has been accepting that I actually have a voice and that it has value. And if I make a mistake, I can learn from that and become better. Um, that I have strengths and weaknesses. And I don't know, you can grow. You can grow. And you don't have to, I think it's great to listen to other podcasts and pick out the things you like from them. But don't try to imitate anyone. Right. Or, I mean, you can and you can be successful that way. But if you're trying to figure out your own voice, don't, don't try to compare yourself too much. Like take, I like how they presented this or mm-hmm. I things you like about it and then incorporate that, learn right. from that, grow.
2: Right. I think for me, it's about passion. What are you passionate about? Mm-hmm. And that's always kind of been my focus in life in general. When you meet someone that is passionate about something, if it's not the same thing as you, mm-hmm. you still catch on a little bit because it gets exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what it is. To find your voice is to learn passion for other things outside of yourself. But then when you are passionate, be honest with it, be mm-hmm. open with it. And I think that's, you and I got together because I'm very passionate about talking about women and trauma. Mm-hmm. I'm very passionate in talking about social justice for those who identify as female mm-hmm. um, and those who are marginalized in any least way whatsoever. That's kind of my whole niche. Um, and so finding my voice is, how do I represent something better or bigger? Mm-hmm. And that is, especially, especially now, yeah. especially trying to find a way out of this muck of because our culture right now has so much, such a divide, and it's so painful just r- looking beyond. Can you find who else is fighting? And that's yeah. one of my favorite things, is finding the voice to see who else is out there doing things and you can make changes with and, and hopefully get a bigger picture of something. And obviously, as we've already spoken, I've made many a mistakes. Mm-hmm. I've said things incorrectly, and I've had people call me out, and I love that. I hate it, but I love it. Right. In the sense of like, okay, now let's fix it. And I think that's the most important thing is that we learn and we grow together once again, and finding that voice is being willing to learn,
3: yes, absolutely. and and we've said this before in many episodes, um, learning to identify valuable, trusted sources right. of criticism and compliment right, and then learning to identify where your self-doubt is coming from and and working on that um that's probably just good advice in general.
2: <laughs> That's too real.
3: It's too real. What else is too real? Our recommendations.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was See, a weird segue. I liked it. I'm liked so it. good
3: at transitions. I will take my own compliment. You better me. Come on. Get it. <laughs> One um, is work it. W-E-R-K-I-T, Exclamation point! Um, WNYC's annual podcast festival, and they have a goal of getting to fifty percent of podcasts hosted by women relatively soon. I think within like three years, um, and they do have programs. Uh, I believe if you they they'll fund or sponsor people to go. So yeah. if funding is a is an issue, definitely check out their their site and see what opportunities are available to you. There's Spotify and Google. They have programs designed to increase diversity in podcasting, including training mentorship and the possibility of funding. And um, I would say, and I love when listeners send in their podcast or like they'll send in, you know, I'm kind of thinking about doing this. I'd love some advice. Just get out there and do it. And we would love, keep on sending us what you're doing. I love it. It's so fun. Mm -hmm.
2: Because people have some great ideas I would have never thought of. I know. Obviously, I didn't think of this one either. Thanks, Kristen. I mean. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thanks, Kristen. There's a whole big world oh, out there, like we said, though. Yeah. yeah. For those of us who are on a bigger platform, stop reading criticisms. Oh, yeah. And review. That's, that's like <laughs> the
3: joke, but it's true. It's the number one. When I found out you were reading them, I'm like, I know. what are you
2: doing? Yeah. Everybody was like, stop. And I'm like, but I just, I want to no. know what's happening. No. Um, and I've learned people love to complain and people hate changes. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. I do, too. I hate changes, too, unless I'm the one who's making the change, sure, right? right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, you talked about Lauren from Saver, your uh-huh. other co-host, who yeah. is a part of our network. Mm-hmm. She did. I, I asked the, the first thing I asked everyone. I asked you. I asked Lauren. Yeah. I asked Kristen and Caroline. I'm like, how do you deal with these types of criticism? I already hate <laughs> hearing myself talk uh-huh. and then having people voice how awful we are yeah. is, is just detrimental Like it's for me because I want to please everyone and make everyone happy and, and be the best at everything, which... Obviously, I'm not, but she mm-hmm. was just talking about you have to, once again, talk about it's just the shade, it's just the personality that you portray, as well as people are um, displacing, what no, is the word? Projecting? Projecting, yeah. People are projecting onto you their own insecurities or their own fears or that what they, you know, mm-hmm. despise about whatever, and it's not about you. Right. And I'm having to be like, okay, you're you're right, you're right, I have to hear that, I have to hear that this is not—this is a bigger picture than me as an individual. Um, but I guess it's so weird because overall, I kind of want to just n- not— I, I've grown up wanting to be under the radar mm-hmm. and to all of a sudden not be on under the radar— Not that I'm big or famous or anything, but it's just kind of like, this is super weird. It is. It takes some adjusting. A lot of adjusting.
3: Yeah. Um, I have, I think I've mentioned it on this show because I love it so much. I have a modern art montage of my favorite insults I've ever received. I'm hoping to get it framed. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my gosh. When I first started, one of my jobs um, was reading through the reviews of our podcast and Listener Mail. Um, I said that in a mean way. I love Listener Mail, but... It was way too much. <laughs> it was way too much. Um, and it was brutal. The The reviews, I remember reading them for um, Stuff You Missed in History class, which was hosted by two intelligent, articulate women, and a decent chunk of those reviews were just tearing down their voices. And I internalized to that. That was one of our most popular shows. And I was like, but look at all of this negativity. And I, when I was comparing myself to them, I thought, I could never. I'm right. not as good as them. Right. What would happen if I was hosting this? And, yeah, that— that holds you back. Right. If you, I mean, I eventually got past it, hopefully, <laughs> luckily,
2: but uh, th- those hosts, by the way, they left. Because of that? hmm Damn. Yeah. Y'all, don't be mean. But you know what? I will come back and say uh, the, the compliments and the people who have been really supportive, because we've definitely gotten a lot of those as well. Yes. Oh. Those are some of my, fa- I will say the last few, I did read it again. I'm, I'm a bad example of myself, but have been really nice.
3: Oh, and it's so valuable. It right. So I don't think we've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't think we can express <laughs> how much it means to just even on a little note. Right. Hey. Right. Love the show. Right. Thank
2: you for trying. You're doing good. Thank you for <laughs>
3: trying. <as> a, <laughs> that's a backhanded compliment again. I would take it, but <laughs> yes,
2: I'm trying to think of someone that actually said that.
3: Thank you for trying. <laughs> That's something you say when you're, like, trying to open a pickle jar. Mm-hmm. That's then, what
2: I usually say to kids who have, like, not done so well mm-hmm. in their grades, maybe. But I'm like, but you tried, and I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. But it's true. It's true.
3: A for effort, that's what you say. A for effort. I, say, yeah. I always say good effort. No. I think you should put in some effort and okay. not a minimum of effort. We're getting <laughs> off track here. Sorry, but
2: no, yeah. I think in general, having those types of things coming back at us and just having— People message us in a personal manner, calling us by our first name and then agreeing or disagreeing, whatever. It's really nice, too. It feels like I'm talking to my friends. Yeah, (laughs) when people are like, it's like I have these best friends in my ear and my heart is always so warm. So (laughs) we love you and you're very valuable. Thank you for listening. And thank you for caring about us, even though we feel like we're not doing it right sometimes.
3: Yes. Um, and, And we're all learning and growing together. And we... As this industry does grow, I hope that it does get do not follow in the footsteps of other entertainment industries and that we can see a lot more podcasts um, from diverse groups of people. And, and listeners, I, I believe that some of you are listening right now and you're going to have a super successful podcast. Yes. And that makes us really happy. And in the meantime, if you would like to send us one of those wonderful notes (laughs) or your podcast ideas or suggestions or if you want advice then you can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com you can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast and on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou thanks as always to our super producer Andrew Howard Andrew and thanks to you for listening Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows
2: To start planning your trip, visit TNVacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection